I'm joined by Eric O'Reilly from Dell. Dell being one of our first customers and certainly one of the most successful in terms of program expansion and engagement. And really just want to sit here and talk with Erica to understand her journey, both as a podcast producer and an overall program owner, lessons learned along the way, the way she thought about content, et cetera, et cetera, the way she's leveraging video versus audio. Erica, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you jumping on here and, and spending some time with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I thought I'd start first just a little bit to kind of build momentum there. Maybe you could give a little bit of a story on your background as it led you to podcasting both internally for Dell, but also you know as a program owner and what have you. Yeah, of course. So I am a program manager for our specialist technical sellers. And our VP, Matt Dunphy, he tasked me with this incredible challenge to find a new communication platform that we could leverage to really get our field the most critical messages. We support systems engineers, so they're the technical sellers, and they're always on the road. They're driving from customer to customer, sometimes flying, and we're having a hard time making sure that the critical leadership messages that we were sending out via email, that they were actually being consumed. And so we were looking at a bunch of different types of platforms, whether it was like texting, pushing text messages to the field. But really, we settled on podcasting, honestly, once we found you studio and it just checked all of our boxes with the security and the push notifications was a huge one and the mobility and accessibility. So it was definitely a journey. We did a lot of research, assessed a lot of different platforms, but Studio was definitely the fit. And we launched it after integrating through our IT organization. We launched it just over a year ago, September 7th of last year, actually. So that was our pilot. We piloted it for a month, and then we launched it with our single sign-on platform through Pinkfederate in October of last year. So it's it's been really an awesome journey. Now, were you a podcast, sort of a consumer of shows, fiction, informational, news, NPR, that kind of thing, personally going into it? Or was podcasting completely net new for you? Uh, I wouldn't say net new, but I would not say I was a daily consumer. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Full disclosure, that's sort of how I came to be with you, Studio, amongst Austin being a small town. But as a avid podcast consumer. It's probably the number one medium I use for any information prior to joining you studio. And then so met Jen and started looking at the technology and kind of looking at all of the really interesting opportunities. And, and so I sort of came at it from that way where I was like, oh, we're taking this thing that I've bought into hook, line and sinker, and we're taking it sort of out to the corporate masses to see how we can create an inflection point of communication. So, well, that's awesome. So you started down a path of research, if I heard you correctly, and it was really kind of, we know what the status quo is in terms of email or webcasts or in-person meetings and, you know, go to meetings and things like that. But we need to find another way to be pushing information. What was that you said? Engineers, field engineers, is that what you said? Yeah, they're systems engineers. They're the technical sellers. So they partner with the sales reps and they go to customers and we basically present the architected solution for our customers. So they're always on the road. 
Oh, okay. So they're completely remote and Dell being a global brand, I'm sure that, that that's actually probably a significant amount, I would imagine, of, of the workforce. Oh, yeah. You know, like two people in Norway, like four in Sweden, right? Because we have about 1,500 people in the specialist organization. That's not the only groups that we have in Studio now, but that was where we were starting. And yeah, I was really trying to bring everybody together and, and give them a consistent engagement platform. That's awesome. So you said you launched your first show. And when you launched that first one, what was the genesis of how you thought about structuring content, short form versus long form? At that time, it would have been audio only before we launched our, our video podcast feature. But so, so maybe you could kind of walk me through your planning and process as you began to, as this idea began to take form. Yeah. And you mean like with what we use with the thumbnails, right? Our secret little... Well, that for sure. Yeah, just take it wherever you want. Just sort of the way you thought about it, the way you thought about how could we maximize this first thing? Because as you said, it was a pilot. So you wanted to give it the best chance of success because success then breeds more success. So yeah, however you you thought about it. Absolutely. And we had to really shift our way of thinking because we were changing the way that our population was going to go about their day. We wanted to maximize their inbox for customer related communications and to try to remove them. But how were we going to make sure that they understood what we were trying to throw at them now on their mobile devices? And so we actually launched three shows to start. And that made sense because we were, we had a bit of turbulence in our organization. So my, my VP, Matt Dunphy, he actually is the, the lead for our four specialist organizations. So under Matt, there's four leaders that each run a different global organization. And so two of those organizations were combining into one. And the two leads that ran them originally, they were kind of shifting what their roles were going to look like. And we didn't want the people that were originally in one org to feel left out, you know, no longer connected to their old leader. And so having those two leaders, as well as Matt Dunphy having a show, it really gave us an opportunity to pilot it with two of the four organizations under Matt. And then also for Matt as a whole, targeting his global audience, but really expecting just those two to be engaged from the start. So that was how we launched the shows and what we how we picked what we were launching. All three organizations were really using their show, right? Each each show was categorized by the business unit that they were aligned to because each each VP was owning a show. They were the ones hosting, and then they'd have either program managers like myself or their strategy leads being that content admin, the back-end person who was managing it, producing it, and then posting it. So within those shows, we were categorizing episodes to try to give some expectation to listeners. Like, hey, we know this is a new platform. This is not what you're used to. But here's some categories of the content that will help you know what you're about to listen to. So we have four different thumbnails, actually, that we attach to these episodes within a show. And all the terminology was, it definitely took me some time getting used to, but now I got it, you know? So the first category that we use in the first thumbnail, it's the rundown. And the visual is totally aligned. It's like a lightning bolt. And that's under 10 minutes. It's a quick hit. You know, you grab it while you're pulling into the office in the morning. You can listen to that episode because you know it's going to be under 10 minutes. If it's a shoot the breeze, which is the second category, it's under 20 minutes-ish. And that's usually two people talking about a topic and they are shooting the breeze. And then our third category is a deep dive. And that's over 20 minutes going really deep into a topic, getting really granular in the details. 
And then our last one is the replay roundup. And this was the last one that we added actually. And because we have such a global audience, there were people in New Zealand or in Australia that were missing town halls or all hand calls because they would be sleeping. It would be 3 a.m. And we needed to find a new platform that we could post the call recordings to make sure it was still just as accessible. Originally, we were sending those call recording links through email and they were still getting lost. So to make sure that it was easily consumable, they can now just access those call recordings in New Studio. So those are our four categories and we've received really positive feedback about that because like I said, it really sets the expectation for what they're about to listen to. Oh, that's that's so cool. So it's, it's if I heard you correctly, it's sort of a third dimension that you put on it. You're going to have shows, you're going to have episodes, and those will have a variety of topics. I think you said the shows were business unit specific. And then you came up with this four categories of shows that you've been able to non-verbally communicate through the thumbnail art so that someone can kind of know, do I need to do I need to buckle in for a 30-minute deep dive on this topic versus it's the 10-minute quick hit, like you said? That's so cool. They know if they need to download it and listen to it offline on the plane or if they can just you know listen to it while they're getting ready in the morning. Right, right. And so you are helping to create scaffolding or some, some framework around this while you worked with the respective VPs of those business units on kind of how to think about content. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, you know, it was a, I don't necessarily like the term, but it was kind of a governance method, right? Because it was a way to make sure everyone's aligned. And we have a lot of different business units all in the same instance of this app. They all log in with the same company code and they see all of the same shows. And so we didn't want users coming in from Matt Dunphy's organization and listening to content and then look at someone else's content and feel like it was an entirely different experience. But I will say having all of these organizations in in the app together, it's been a fantastic way for us to share knowledge and to make sure that all of our team members are on the same page. And if they search one of our products, that content from four different shows might show up, you know, in that search function. And so it, it's been a really great way to bring our people together. That's so cool. And so in order to launch, you said it started with three shows and so it wasn't necessarily from sitting on a cache of historical content that you went in and did some sourcing to front load or, or beef up a show or what have you. It was really, let's take this thoughtful approach of what we want to talk about in the quick hit or deep dive. I use the term third dimension, but what have you, length format, and then Matt or you know his contemporaries. These are the topics that you think are important to push out to your team. Let's come up with a way that we structure. I guess I'm trying to visualize, do you meet like a strategy session with each of these VPs to help them think about content? Did they naturally fall into the taxonomy of, oh, well, a show has episodes. I get it. I watch, you know, I watch Blacklist and it has a bunch of, you know, that kind of thing. Did it, did it, was it natural or did you have to do a little handholding there? It completely depended on the leader and on the show. How comfortable was the leader to just talk about something and what were they trying to cascade out to their employees? Now, we launched this and are really leveraging this as our primary communication platform. The groups that have bought in, the top leader, they are all using it in place of email. So when you think about it that way, instead of Matt Dunphy sending out an email about a new contest, right, which is like an essay, he can talk about it in under 10 minutes and explain it to the field and then give them all the links right in the description so they can get started participating in the contest. Or if he's sending out a communication in partnership with another executive, 
they can get on and shoot the breeze instead of sending an e- like a you know a doubly long essay. So it's really a way for them to just talk about these topics that are coming to light because it's being driven by the business. But there's also opportunities where when he's traveling, he has his mic with him and he can just sit down with his leader or with a field manager or, you know, with an individual contributor who he's meeting on his travels and they can just talk about something, anything. It doesn't have to be pre-planned or in place of an email. So it has been pretty natural. I would say I'm lucky in that sense, but there are other types of shows that are not necessarily in place of an email that might be talking about emerging technology or more competitive or competitive driven or talking about wins right from the field. Those types of shows, you have to be more aware that you always have to be thinking about what's your next content. So in that sense, there has been definitely a little bit of handholding, but the people who have been involved are are so excited about this platform and this way to communicate that it hasn't been too bad. Do you have an editorial calendar or how do you keep track of your plans for content moving forward? Yeah, no. Every VP that decides they want to show, and it's usually VPs, sometimes they might ask field managers, director level, whatever, to own a show, which is fine. But if they want to show, they have to agree to XYZ requirements that every content creator or content admin has to agree to. Like there has to be original content at least monthly. And we govern it to an extent. We're not It's not like they're kicked out if they don't do it, but there is a reminder if I notice that someone's gone two months and they haven't posted anything, I, you know, I'll shoot them a reminder and say, Hey, you know, it's, it's been a while. Do you have some content on the horizon that you'll be ready to post? You know, let's try to get something out in the next week. But they agree to original content monthly. The summer has been hard, obviously, because everyone's on vacation at different times, but they've done a pretty good job. Those replay roundups, that fourth category that does not count as original content. So just because they've posted four replay roundups in a row, like that's that's not going to keep our team members engaged. So they need to be recording something new, whether it's in place of an email or, you know, just sitting down with a colleague and talking about something that's relevant to the field. So they manage their own shows. We don't like, I'll just look briefly, but they're all on top of it. And they all agree that it's their platform. That show is their platform and, and they agree to use it. So it's worked pretty well. Well, I'm curious to also learn more about how you first launched, you know, you started with these four main categories and how you got your employees excited about it. Was it just simply an email blast to everyone or just how did you, what was the launch process like as far as getting started? Yeah, that was tricky, right? Because you're launching in an email saying, we're trying to get you out of your email. And what was even funnier is Matt Dunphy's launch email was so perfect because he was traveling the week before. And he was in the car driving to a customer meeting with some people from his organization. And one individual contributor said, yeah, like one in 10 people read those emails. And so he said, okay, so for every one of 10 that is reading this right now in his launch email, he said, make sure you're going and telling everyone. It didn't take off like a rocket. It was slow going for sure, just for those first you know, couple weeks. And then we actually started, because we were using single sign-on, when we turned that on in October of last year, we were able to see at the individual level who has logged in. And we were cross-checking against our organization's roster that we keep. 
And so I could see under every manager who from their team had logged in and who had not. And so it, for lack of a better term, it became a loser board of sorts and really leaning on manager accountability to make sure that we were driving as much engagement and adoption as possible, you know, getting as many people to log in as we could. And by making sure that the manager was aware who from their team hadn't logged in, that it was, it really turned out to be the perfect way of driving those logins. Yeah. Everyone loves some friendly competition. (laughs) Oh yes. And so much so in the specialist organization. (laughs) Yeah. I love that gamification. That's, that's, that's very cool. And so the launch plan was from each VP to their respective teams. Hey, there's a new medium we're going to leverage. This is kind of laying out, if not necessarily all the details of why, but what we're going to do with it. It's going to take the place of X, Y, Z, kind of really setting them up to set the expectation. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we were able to track it, not just on a manager level, but at a theater level. So basically every level of leadership was aware of their organization and who had logged in and who hadn't. And those VPs under Matt Dunphy, those, they're not the only ones having all hands, right? There's the division calls, There's all these different phone calls and meetings on our calendars that they started mentioning it and we started driving that, hey, don't forget, go check it out. You're not going to get this communication if you don't go log in. And so it was definitely top down. But, you know, I I think that's how it has to be for for changing the way that people think about their day to day. You know, we've seen similar success, sort of that top down versus I don't know. I I actually I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I've seen success in a variety of ways, but I think having an ambassador for lack of a better word, or someone who really has their, they have a vision of what they're trying to accomplish. They've now attached it to some level of goal or achievement, whether it's a metric, it could be a sales organization. And eventually they're taking our analytics and their performance data, and they're coming up with a blended way of thinking about productivity or what have you, or it could just be in a sense of, I want to have better, more reliable mobile communication with my team. And so having that vision, I'm hard pressed to think of a a customer today that was successful lacking that tip of the spear type of role or person. And it's interesting because in your dynamic, you could say the VPs since it was top down, but you couldn't say that there wasn't a hard assist from you. And do you have a team that that works with you or are you doing this all yourself? (laughs) Well, Define all. So I, so (laughs) you define all. (laughs) I know. Um, So I produce Matt Dunphy's show, and then every every group that decides to join in, what however many shows they agree to launch, and mind you, those that comes from conversations of us saying, okay, you know, if you're going to launch a show, you have to agree that you're that you're actually going to follow through with it and up keep it up to date and make sure that you're driving engagement for it. All those you know little governance things we talked about, but then they were responsible for their own production, their own timeline, their own engagement driving. But without trying to police, I do act as a resource. I'm the point of contact. If if there's any trouble or any feedback, I'll bring that to you studio. And I'm also trying to evangelize, to evangelize this new platform across my organization. So in the sense of all, I'm like the point of contact for you, Studio, but luckily I only have to produce for Matt Dunphy and and that is a task in itself because he does such actually it's really not. He makes it so easy on me. I'm saying it's a hard it's a hard job. It's not. I I don't really have to do too much to produce his content because he he just talks so well off the cuff. It's definitely been a job, but it's been so cool to see how each group that has 
bought in how they leverage this. You know, everybody kind of treats it a little differently, not not that they're not using it as their main communication platform, but just how do they talk to it? How do they organize their show, their episodes? Like how the you know, the flow. It's been really cool to see the variance between them all. That's awesome. Inside Dell, is there a particular format or across those four categories where you've seen a materially different engagement level? Is it everybody loves the short form, you know, quick punch, one, two, three, sort of like is it the New York Times that does, you know, the daily or something like that? Or is it more the long form where they can really sit down and sit by and, and listen to a deep dive with, you know, sort of that thoughtful long form or, or what have you seen? You know, I'd actually, I'd have to say that it's the middle ground. It's actually the shoot the breeze. And it's not just on engagement, but also the leaders like recording that one more because I think they feel less on the spot because they get to chat about something with a leader that they, you know, whether it's someone they know or someone that they're working with, even when it's like a brand new relationship, they're chatting about something. It feels more casual, but then on the engagement side, the feedback that we hear is it makes your leader way more real, right? Like you get to hear them. It's raw, it's candid, and you know what they talk like. You can hear them once a quarter on a call, or you can go listen to their podcast and hear them all the time. And it just, it makes them less of like this man in the clouds or this woman in the clouds and someone that they can, they can really reach and get to know. So I think that that's probably been the most popular and the most successful, but the rundown is probably a close second because that's how our emails get translated most. I mean, you can write an essay or you can say it in a couple sentences. So that's definitely a close second. That's awesome. When you started out, did you have a benchmark in your mind of, well, this this will feel like a, a success? I mean, maybe, maybe it was over 10% because of, of what you just shared with me about the email consumption or, or adoption rate or, or yeah, did you have a metric in mind? And I'm curious, maybe you could speak a little bit to, was that based on anything or was it sort of more like a put your finger up in the air kind of thing and then how you drove to it and and then ultimately exceeded it and, and just kind of speaking about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it was kind of just like, just put your finger to the wind. Like, I don't think we really had an expectation. I think we, we, we kind of just knew. So the, these are our technical sellers, right? So they're listening to podcasts all the time. That's how they get their worldly information. And so when we first launched it, those really avid podcast listeners, like they came to us immediately and they're like, we want to listen to this. And we have a lot of feedback on the app, on the content, on anything and everything because, because they're techies and that's what they know. And so, you know, they had a lot to share, which was great. So helpful. So those ones were, you know, they were like right out of the gate. They were like, we, we love this and we want this. It's the people that don't really focus on that in their daily life that I think were a little harder to get in. But again, the manager accountability was huge. We knew it was a success because of the feedback we were getting. We had a platform, we have like a, an intro web and we have a site in there that talks about Studio and how to leverage it and the groups that have bought in and what content's in there. And they could email a shared inbox with feedback. I know, terrible way. We're trying to get them out of email and then we have to route them through email for feedback. But, you know, that that they could send us any questions or content suggestions like that they wanted Matt to talk about a new, I don't know, a new update to a product or a new emerging, whatever it might have been, they could request something. And then a couple of the other shows were actually incorporating field-created content. So the feedback that we were getting on those platforms that was 
awesome. And then we were obviously using Use Studio's metrics to track how many people were logging in at the individual level, and that kept growing. But we reached 80% earlier in the summer of the 1,800 people had logged in. And that wasn't even a year. And we were ecstatic. We're just starting to really track, you know, Studio gives us amazing details on the engagement, how much of an episode that someone has listened to. And we're really just starting to touch the surface of that. I think we have a lot more to do to gamify that type of engagement. So, okay. So long story short, I don't think we really had a goal that we were set on, but we were very happy with the turnout and, and the speed in which we reached that. 80% is magnificent. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I mean, talk about really validating a hypothesis, right? Right? We were, yeah, it was a huge deal. As we touched on before, I mean, I'm obviously, I drink the Kool-Aid outside of work <laughs> as well. But what strikes me is sort of the way that you and the hosts and just overall organizationally, you know, you just decided, hey, this is going to be a success, you know, and then you kind of put your shoulder into it and gave it its best chance to be successful, right? It wasn't going to fail for lack of effort. So that's that's wonderful. We touched on it very briefly a, a few minutes ago, but um, you are a customer of ours that uses video as well. Is that right? Yes. So we actually use it for the replay roundup. We use the video links in an audio show so they can open up the video to see slides that might have gone with that presentation. But we just launched our first video show. And it's actually kind of, it's a new type of show. So it fit perfectly with the timing of, you know, leveraging the the video. And it's a bit more aligned to training. But to be transparent, we do not use Studio for training purposes. We have a separate training platform that we drive all of our training through. But this new show, it's called Tech U, like Tech University. And it's a bunch of videos that talk to really product-heavy updates. So whether that might be a whiteboard conversation that they're showing someone actually going through or, you know, a mock-up of sitting in front of, like, sitting with a customer and having a conversation, like, whether it's showing body language or whatever. But it's been so exciting to see how this video looks in the app and on the desktop app. It's It's been so cool. Oh, um, that's great. I love that. From a production standpoint, how is the difference for you from a video podcast to an audio? Would you say that it's more difficult or it takes longer or just the strategy behind it is more intense? So it's it's not my show. So thank goodness I don't have to produce it. When I've helped the woman who is producing that show, we use the Adobe Cloud, Creative Cloud products. So we have like Premiere Pro, Audition for just the audio episodes. There really isn't that much of a difference. I think maybe it's like one extra step. But in terms of in the PMC, I like no difference at all. It's really just how... How heavy do you want to produce the video? And if you're cutting the audio, I think that's where it gets a little tricky is if you're playing around with the audio and snipping it and whatever, you know, how does that impact the video? And especially if it's someone's face and they're talking, you know, you got to make sure that you're you're not messing up the audio and not fixing the video too. So I think that there's been some extra steps we've gone through there. But overall, it has it hasn't really been too much of a difference. And I don't I don't know if that would be the same for everybody. So yeah. And have you heard any feedback from employees about which format they prefer in terms of audio or video? 
Not yet, only because we only have one show that's video and it's like a different organization. So I think only there people are really realizing that that's now a thing. And then obviously I do because I touch them all. But I'm not entirely sure if like my if my team members are going and leveraging that yet. I It'll be interesting. They'll be knocking on my door very soon, being demanding that we get, you know, a video show. So I have no doubt in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think we actually have another one, two more coming soon. Oh, awesome. What are those focused on? So we had one organization buy in at the end of last year in the winter, and they never actually leveraged it to create their own content. They were just giving their team members the opportunity to engage with the existing content. And so they do all of the demos for our customers. So if a customer says, I want to see what these products are going to look like in my data center, We call them the CSE, the Customer Support Center, I want to say. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. And they are a global organization. We don't know your acronym, so you're safe with us. (laughs) Oh my God, we have so many acronyms. So they really have to do a lot of visual representation of what's happening, whether that's in your data center or show you a video of a whiteboard, like I said. And so they're going to be leveraging it for their organization. So it'll be the first time that they're going to be actually putting content into the app. And then our next one is a women's group. We have employee resource groups and there's chapters of each of those. I think we have like 14 ERGs and those are global. And then within each global one, there's local chapters. But we just launched a couple of virtual chapters because for the same reason we're launching a podcast app, our entire population is remote at every corner of the world. And so they're launching it for their women's chapter and they want their women to hear more about the benefits that are going to be happening. So they'll have HR representatives on their show. And I convinced them to launch it as a video show just because of the ease, even if it's just an audio episode, they can still put it in a video show. It just gives you that option if down the road, their leaders are together and they want to video record some content, then they have that option to make it more personal by showing the face too. So I did convince them and and they're very excited. They're going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really exciting. Could you talk a little bit about when you bought in to do podcasting or what have you, some, something that we work with prospects and customers alike, certainly during the onboarding is to help them sort of size, what, what does this mean now? You know, now I'm podcasting and, okay, do I have to go build out a studio? Do I need to bring in, you know, professional audio? Co- you know what I mean? I mean, you know, it, it could be very daunting, right? It's, it's interesting. As a sidebar, I have this hypothesis that the advancement in technology on cell phones around video actually I think has lowered the bar of intimidation for video for people, but audio still remains. So when when in fact it's theoretically it's so much easier. Uh you know, I use air quotes obviously, you know, easier to sit down and have a conversation like you and I and Zoe are having right now. Not to say video is super overwhelming if if you kind of have a plan, but but it certainly has a few more moving pieces, let's say. And so as you were you said, okay, we're doing podcasting. Okay, this is when we're going to launch, et cetera, et cetera. Walk us through a little bit of sort of the way you thought about, okay, well, now how am I going to resource this? I need some thumbnails. I need to, you know, have, we, we have to be creative. Podcasting is new inside the corporate environment. So I'm sure you you had a few creative ways of getting the things you needed. I'd just love to hear about some of those. 
it was just so chaotic, like the mad dash to get a microphone and figure out what we were going to do to produce. And I am so lucky that I have so many smart people around me and creative people around me. So, okay, so let's let's start with the equipment. So the microphones, honestly, I swear we just like took a shot in the dark and picked one for Matt Dunphy. And he did not like the one that I picked to start. <laughs> so in the last couple, the last eight months, right, I, I do so much research on this because I, I want him to like have the best and tell him what the best is. And every time I'll have research and I'll be like, okay, Matt, this is what you need to get. And he'll already have gone and bought the same type of microphone as what he already had. So he has like three condenser microphones or dynamic mic, one or the other. I can't remember which one it is. And he needs the other one for what he's trying to do like every time. And I'm, you know, I just try to say like, I've done all the research. You just got to listen to me (laughs) because he keeps, the problem is he sometimes is like me right now. I'm at my desk, you know, I'm remote right now, but I'm at my desk and I'm connected to my computer, but then he'll go to conferences like Dell Technologies World and he'll be in this Las Vegas conference center and want to just pull up a chair and have three people sitting around a table and have it equally pick up all three voices in this loud, noisy center, right? So there's different types of microphones that you need for each of those settings. And it's definitely been a challenge to try to make sure that we have the right equipment for the right situation. So he was at Dell Tech World and I literally had to delete his second day recap because he even went in the podcast room at the center and his microphone, it was worse than the day before. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is not going to work. So we had to delete that episode. And, you know, we still run into hiccups like that all the time, but we've gotten a lot better at it. So the mic he has now, I can't even, I think it's uh, the little blue. It's like a little. Are you saying the color is blue? No, the name of it is the blue microphone. I don't know. Oh, I was like, I was like, uh, I might need more than that. <laughs> <laughs> See, this shows how many microphones we've looked at. I swear. The first one was one that actually plugged into a lightning plug on an iPad. So we could try to do a video with good audio in an interview style at Dell Tech World, the or maybe it was our manager, big manager conference, whatever it was. And he didn't like how that one came out. So, you know, we've tried a couple. Some of the easiest ones are like the $20 lapel mics that you can plug in to connect into one. I think get them on Amazon for literally $20. Like if we have leaders that are going to be joining Matt occasionally, we'll ask them to get a better headset through our IT department, like the Jabra headsets, you know, those come out great. Or the lapels from Amazon. So there's options for sure. I guess what I'm curious about is as you as you refine sort of the optimal mobile setup versus maybe being in office or et cetera, et cetera, was it just a matter really of, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, selfishly, we write a lot of, of content. I know our, our community and FAQs touch on a lot of that stuff. And then there's just oodles of content out there on the internet. Did you sort of find that those were the resources that you, you used to kind of hone in on it as much as trial and error or? Yeah, definitely. No, to get our feet wet. I mean, we really relied on the research that you guys had done on the studio side, different articles that you'd published talking to you guys. We actually came and sat with Jen and Brian, who was, I think, your COO at the time, and really just tried to work through, you know, a couple of the kinks that we were experiencing. So the research and and you guys as a resource was huge, but for the production side, like I was saying, I, I was surrounded by so many smart people that randomly 
were like music junkies and were recording music in their basements, you know, like my manager, he he actually just took on a new role, but he recorded the jingle, like the introduction to Matt Dunphy's show on his guitar. And then we had like one of our strategy leads, he he dabbles in music production all the time. So he was using Audacity, which is a free app. Um, and so we really used that for a while. And then Adobe Creative Cloud came available through our IT department. So honestly, this wasn't the only like, quote unquote, creative program that I'm working on. So it, it made sense to get Adobe because it came with Photoshop and Premiere Pro and all the other things. But Audition has been so easy to work with. So I know that the price is really high. But once we started getting into this and we realized how critical it was, I mean, like I said, our audience, these team members, they're listening to podcasts all the time from the New York Times, like you said, and they have the best equipment, right? So that sound is amazing. And they're listening to it out of their BMW speakers. And then they put they were putting on our episodes and it was like blowing their speakers out. Like it was not good. Oh, because of the recording quality. Got it. Right. And so we were like, okay, we really need to invest in this. We need to get better, a better microphone or we need to get a better production application. And so since it was taking off, like we said, I, I mean, we hit 80% adoption. So it was worthwhile to invest for us. But I will say using the Audacity, the free desktop app, I mean, some might say that it gives just as great quality. It just, it honestly wasn't as like beginner friendly, whereas the Adobe Audition has a couple presets and some really easy to use functions that even I can understand. (laughs) So... Well, like today, I mean, we're using a cool little product off the web called Zencaster for the remote. I don't know that I, if I said this at the beginning, but obviously we're sitting here in Austin and you're in Boston. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. I was actually going to ask you about it. I was like, oh, what is this? Yeah, it's it's a great, great little piece of software. You know, I mean, we use the $20 a month subscription. It records individual tracks. You saw it sends sends individual links and what have you. It auto saves to the cloud. You just kind of bind a, a Google Drive or something like that or an iCloud account to it. And so it'll send all of that there. It allows you to blend it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it gets the job done for sure. Zoom lets us do those, the local recording with individual tracks as well. So that's what I have my leaders use when I've put together some, you know, simple screenshot documentation for them to to walk through it. So even if they're tight on time, it tells them how to combine those audio files, whether it's an Audacity or Audition. So the local recording, it's like recording you on your end and me on my end, it really enhanced the audio for us. Makes such a difference, right? Because you know, one of us is going to talk louder than the other and what have you. So what's next? What's next for the podcasting program slash programs at Dell? i, I optimistic that all of the work that y'all have been doing has has created a little bit of buzz for people who are kind of going, oh, well, wait a minute, how can I leverage that over in my area? And, and full disclosure, we have a few other business areas within Dell also using it. So talk to me about kind of what's next. What's what's What do you have on your, I guess we're going to finish out 2019, but sort of your 2020 roadmap? Well, for one thing, I mean, we have different organizations chomping at the bit to get in this. I you know, it's it obviously they have to be aware of not only the, you know, the money that they have to set aside for this, but also the time and effort. It do, you know, it doesn't just happen on its own. And these leaders, I think it is important for them to be on some of these shows. They don't all have to be run by VPs or SVPs or director level, but it it is a really great way for them to cascade their information out. So then it's they have to dedicate their 
energy and they have to get over the fact that they're going to be talking in front of (laughs) thousands of people on an app. So once they get past that, it's like smooth sailing. They get so excited and jazzed up about it. But what's next other than getting all my other leaders in? We are trying to leverage the grouping mechanism. So we actually have a security group through our active directory that we use for our single sign-on restriction. And it just has our managers in it. So we're looking to do a manager-only show that we can give a little bit more HR-sensitive information in, whether it's about comp planning or reviews, you know, that type of content that you don't want the individual contributors, the ICs hearing. This is a great way for us to leverage the same platform for a bit more confidential content. So that's like, that's like the next thing. But like I said, we've really only just touched the surface of tracking engagement by the individual and engagement, meaning how much of an episode have they actually listened to? Have you listened to 80% or 90%? Did you miss that last critical piece of information? That'll not only help us make sure that we're structuring our episodes well, but Also to, again, gamify and try to make sure that someone's not just clicking play and then turning it off. It's something that is so critical to get these other organizations to buy in for us because we're now getting to the L2 level, right? These people report into Michael Dell. It's important that they see that this content is actually being consumed. For our emails, we use this tool, Populo. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that lets you see if somebody's opened the email, if they've clicked different links within the email. So you can actually really track engagement of an email, but it's still not even at the level that Ustudio lets us track. You know, you can't see how much of the email they actually read, how many lines down did they get, right? But with Ustudio, we can see to the exact second that they stopped listening. So... Starting to really dive into that is going to be huge for us to be able to evangelize this even more. It will definitely take a lot of work. I'm so looking forward to it, but it'll be so worthwhile to really show the the benefit of, of this platform. So those two things are definitely right on the horizon for us. Well, it's interesting. I wonder if it feels now sort of like the flywheel has kicked in and, and now rather than we have to go and forge new ground. I wonder if the if the conversation has has pivoted internally for Dell, which where it's more like, well, hey, we've seen what this can do in terms of adoption and just organic interest. You know, oh, hey, like you said, we have some you have so many people who are already avid podcast listeners, so that the minute it was available to them, they jumped on it immediately, and then obviously success breeds success. I wonder if that if that conversation is pivoting internally now to where it's like, oh. Well, if they got 80%, why wouldn't we get 80% or, or, or something like that? I wonder, I'm, I'm sure you're not bashful about sharing those metrics, right? I mean. No, no, actually though, that is so like Jen, I think when we first got involved with you guys, Jen had this thing, it was walk, run, fly, right? And so now I feel like we're definitely running and cruising. And, and once I get those real engagement, like the actual listening metrics, like nailed and to a T where I can present it and have it really just show the extent that this has taken off for, for our few organizations that are in, we will be soaring, flying. Oh yeah, for sure. Because yeah, I mean, it's like, we know that the field is already using this in their day to day. And so now everyone else is behind the curve, but because it's going well for us, they're like, well, we want to know how well. It's almost like the standard 
that they're judging it against has changed because they know it's going well. So it's it's definitely that fine line with, oh, well, they're, you know, they're jealous and they want to be a part of it to, well, we we want you to really test the waters first, see if the ship sinks. And if it doesn't, then maybe, you know, so we have to really make sure that we're driving that the conversation in the right way to make sure that it's like, yeah, you're missing out, but also look how well it's going. <laughs> so, you know, cause I mean, it really started with just these couple leaders just taking the leap and saying, we know this is important. The way that we communicate with our people is critical. We're just going to risk it and try it. Now it's like those people have bought in. So now we really need to, to have the ammunition to back up what we're saying. So it's like double-edged sword, right? Like they want in, but they're also hesitant. So it's how do you make sure that they see how beneficial it is? Because it's only going to get more beneficial for my people that are in there already when the other groups join in. It's only more content and knowledge that they get to access. So it's just as important for me to get them in as I think it is for them to get themselves in. (laughs) You say risk it and try it. What initial like hesitations did you have or myths that you just completely busted that other people who are just getting started might be feeling the same? Well, like, are they going to listen? Like, are they going to do it? (laughs) Like, are they going to log in? It's a new application. I will say that like the people I was worried about not logging in on the mobile app, it definitely helped when we were able to launch the desktop version. It's funny because when we first launched this, we had, I swear, everyone was complaining that we didn't have something that was mobile friendly. And then we launched something that was so mobile friendly and they were like, well, I need something for my desktop. (laughs) And so we were like, okay, seriously, like, come on, you got to work with us here. And so being able to offer both of those made sure that anywhere, anytime they can access this content, which is huge. But yeah, I mean, their big risk is, are they going to, are they actually going to like log in? Are they going to, are they going to see this as beneficial for them as a team member? Are they going to see this as an investment? right? Or are they going to see this as another tool? That's one of our challenges too, being that we support the sales organization. We have a tool for everything. I swear. Like one of my other programs right now is how do we consolidate the tools that we're asking the field to leverage on a day-to-day basis? Well, this was adding another one, but it was also decreasing tools, right? Because we were saying, well, now you don't have to go and read this this email. We're, We're helping you making it more accessible. Will they see that? that benefit, right? I think that's the biggest one. And if you if you already as a leader are not like super sold on the fact that you have to go record your voice, you're going to see this as an as something intimidating, right? But thank goodness Matt Dunphy just is so good at talking and I know that sounds so funny, but he is like he can talk about anything and have it sound so eloquent that this wasn't intimidating for him. So the big risk was will my people appreciate this and he you know, he rolled the dice and he said, I think they will. Well, Erica, this has been terrific. I so appreciate your time and we appreciate having a partner like you and, and Dell. And we look forward to the next opportunity to catch up and, and maybe even maybe even in person. I think we're going to possibly look at doing some, an East Coast swing for some customer visits between now and the end of the year. So thanks again, Erica. 